0: Hi, welcome to the first Arkansas Times Rock Candy podcast. Uh, my name's Jacob, uh, we've got, I'm going to introduce yourself. Stephanie Smittle. Oh, Maya Jones. And we're just going to be doing this as an experiment, seeing if it works out, but basically we've got the politics podcast where, right beside us, we're in the very same studio, studio in quotes, uh, Max and Lindsay normally talk about politics. We're going to take some time every week to talk a little bit about what's going on in arts and entertainment in um, Arkansas, and I guess specifically Central Arkansas. Um, So this is basically the show, and basically what we'll do each week is have one main thing we're talking about. At the end, we'll make some recommendations, and then Stephanie's going to tell you one thing that you should definitely do uh, in the upcoming weekend. Uh, From this show, what we're going to do is spend most of the time talking about Rafifi, which is, I I guess I'll let you explain what Rafifi is and why we're talking about a movie from the 1950s in 2018.
1: Right. So my name is Amaya Jones, and I program the Arxenot Times film series. And this month, we're showing Rafifi, which is a classic and quintessential heist movie. And it's going to kick off a series of heist films that we're going to show over the next few months.
0: Yeah. And so later on, we're going to go into why this movie's great and why it's worth showing. And then kind of what a heist movie is and how this really sets the playing field for what we define as a heist movie, I would say. Also, a lot of interesting backstory, but we're going to get to that in a second. First off, at the top of every show, we just want to let you know about a few things that The Times is doing that you should definitely check out, so go to Stephanie. Hey,
2: everyone. I'm Stephanie Smittle. I'm the arts and entertainment editor at The Arkansas Times, and part of what I'll be uh, working on in February and the beginning of March is the Arkansas Times Musicians Showcase. It turns 26 years old this year. Our winners last year were Daz and Bree. They will be uh, on the judges panel this year as well as three or four other esteemed judges. They will be listening to four rounds of brand new bands or up and coming bands every Thursday in February at Sticky's Rock and Roll chicken chat and then we'll pick uh the judges rather will pick winners from each of those four rounds and those four winners will face off in the finals march 9th at the rev room and compete for a robust prize package really looking forward to it it's always cool um been on the periphery of my mind since before i was at the arkansas times but last year in particular uh, it was really pleasure to be a part of it because we have everything from super super speed metal riffs to just sort of like a conglomeration of rock and soul we had um raw howard who combines rap and harmonica uh just sort of it's sort of a grab bag of new music coming out of this part of the state and what's also cool about it is that it has the potential to cross audiences. So, people that typically might go hear more heavy music shows come in here, hip hop. People that are typically have their eye out for country music shows come out in here. Um, you know, a band like Mortalis or Dazembree or uh, the Evergreen Groove Machine. So, yeah, really looking forward to it.
0: And it's good to go to, even if you're not. One of the musicians, like it's a fun kind of sampler platter and you get an idea of what's going on in the local scene, I think, really well when you kind of dip into this event. It's a good
2: time. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And so then there's the other big event, which is the Music Awards, which I guess is one step up from Musicians Showcase or maybe a whole staircase up in terms of... (laughs) you know, it's big and lavish, and and can you tell us about that?
2: Sure, so we are launching this year the first ever Central Arkansas Music Awards, really just born of the spirit and the idea that other places like Athens, uh, like Austin, like Nashville, celebrate their own music scenes and, 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 you know, recognize people in those communities who are known for their artistic contributions, and we wanna do the same here in Little Rock. We don't think there's any reason not to. So this year, 7 p.m., January 23rd at Ron Robinson Theater, we will present the winners of uh, 22 categories. We have an esteemed board that chose uh, winners in each of those 22 categories. Kevin Kirby will host and we'll have musical performances from Uniwa, Princius, the Brian Nolan Band, the Legendary Pacers, Adam Fawcett, and I think that's it.
0: That's it. <laughs> Sounds good. That's a lot of people. <laughs> uh, so def- I feel like
2: I'm forgetting somebody. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Uh, tickets are at CentralArkansasTickets.com and it's going to be a good time.
0: So we've got Sticky's Rock and Roll Chicken Shack which always nebulous whether or not the chicken is defined as rock and roll or not in the exact phrasing of that it's for Musician Showcase. Ron Robinson Theater for Kama. And so you should definitely check out both of those. And I guess that's. is there any other big things from the Times coming up that we should mention?
2: Only that I remember, the sixth act that that we're uh, presenting at the Central Arkansas Music Awards was his brethren, Greg and uh, Greg Bens and Zach Bens, who are the longtime bandmates of Bluesman Dell Davis, will also be joining us.
0: Well, that's really cool. Um, and you should check out the Dell Davis profile by David Ramsey
2: for sure. That's in a the great read. American,
0: you know, Arkansas Times legend David Ramsey about Blues legend Dell Davis. All right, cool. So let's move on to why we're here and. Uh, that is to talk about Rafifi and I have no idea if we're pronouncing Rafifi properly. It is a French film that came out in 1955 and we're going to be playing it as part of the Arkansas Times um, movie presentation uh, January 16th at Riverdale um, $9 to get in and it's at 7pm I'm going to give some very brief background on the film and then I'm going to let you take over because you're the one who picked this and you've got this heist thing going that's really cool. So it's it's directed by Jules Dassin. It, it sounds very French, but he was actually born in Connecticut in 1911 and then uh, unfortunately died in 2008. But nice long life. And he uh, was in the 1950s during <laughs> it's this good life. good life. Good You know, these are good dates for life. Uh, and then he was uh, kind of the big event that uh, distinguishes Rafifi is that it's an American filmmaker with a French sounding last name who makes a film in France. Why does that happen? In 1951, Fellow directors um, called out Dassin for being a communist, and the infamous House on um, Americans Activities Committee, uh, you know, sort of claimed him to be a communist, and so he fled to Europe. And it was sort of this long, protracted period where Dassin wasn't making films and really looking for a purpose and trying to figure out what was going on with his life. And in that time period, um, someone gives him the script for Rafifi, he hates it, he says that it's trash, but he decides to make the film anyways, and he films it in 1954, it comes out in 1955, and it sort of is this really incredible film that ends up setting up the entire genre of heist, a lot of people have talked about it. And so I'll let you take over from there sort of why we're showing it and this sort of series of films that are going to deal with the heist film
1: right so Jules Doson directed Rafifi and is described as one of the quintessential heist films because it's one of the one of the first heist films um, along with a film that we're showing in March called Bob Lelimmbo that um, came out in the same year uh, that were there were two films that really focused on the actual planning and execution of the heist and so uh, it's been said that they both take something from um, John Huston's the asphalt Jungle which came out in 1950 but that film was less concerned with the actual, um, assembling a team of people, and then like on an almost documentary detail showing like the, the steps of like how you plan and, and pull off the heist. And with Rafifi is also notable for that the heist takes place in the middle of the film, and so then there's this whole second half of the film where that is the fallout from the event. Yeah. Um. And like, and you noted you noted that he adapted it from a book that was supposedly not very good, but he adapted it in, apparently like in six days with a co-writer. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that. And then, uh, and they wrote it in English, and then it was translated into French, Um, and it was shot on the cheap, and it's you know it's a film noir, and he, two of the American productions he did before he was blacklisted, one was called The Naked City, which was I think was pretty popular and was adapted to a TV series, Uh, and it's it's almost like a police procedural, and it's really documentary style, and it's shot on location in New York City, Um, and another one that he did, he I think he was in production in London when he got word that he was going to be blacklisted. and I'm blanking on the title of it right now, but it stars Richard Widmark. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what
0: it's um, called either, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, suffice to say that Dacenet sort of had these two careers before mm-hmm. he was blacklisted. One was that it's a sort of MGM studio, B-movie writer-director mm-hmm. kind of guy, and then the other one was he's made some pretty promising sort of art films. And Rafifi, after this weird hiatus, and sort of what I think is interesting about a heist film in general, combines what we think of... Con- usually as a heist film and as an art film together. And that's sort of what, or as a procedural film and an art film together, and that's sort of where you get this beautiful right. heist film idea mm-hmm. is we're gonna take some of these elements of like almost Hitchcocky and like showing the person doing this instead of them doing that. Um,
2: lots of uh, shadows. Lots, of, lots shadows, of shadows,
0: lots of close-up on hands, lots of close-up on procedure, lots of close-up on suspense, what that, or lots of close-ups that lead to suspense, what does suspense mean? And then sort of com- combine the art elements and sort of the procedural elements together to create a heist right. film, you know, that's sort of what's new with Rafifi, right, and like, basically Right, I mean, right,
1: and, and it is a film noir, and you know, the French were popular for sort of popularizing the film noir as a, as a style of filmmaking after World War II, and so, and they, they sort of lionized a lot of these American directors who were directing these movies, and so uh, he was sort of celebrated in France as, as being an American director of these types of films,
0: um, really? So, mm-hmm. so he was celebrated in France before he came mm-hmm. over and made the right. film?
1: And, and it wasn't, you know, there, there were also other times when he was blacklisted when he they he almost got work in France, but um, American studios would basically say, like, if you produce this movie with this blacklisted director, we will not distribute it. And, and so he lost jobs as, as a result of that. But by the time that Rafifi came out, and um, be probably because it was shot on the cheap, um, that he was able to, they were able to, Forced the issue, and so you know he won the best director at Cannes that year, mm-hmm. um, and it was notable that when that happened, they raised a French flag instead of an American flag. At so, Cannes, right? Really? Mm-hmm. And I didn't um, know that either. And he. Um,
2: Leave it to France yeah. to yeah. take in our yeah. tired, weary, talented, right. yeah. blacklisted. I, <laughs> and I believe it was
1: like the first film by a blacklisted director whose name was on the film as his actual name that got distribution in the U.S. Wow. So this was before Dalton Trumbo and Spartacus and before um, other other people you who know, sort of broke the blacklist in the States. And
0: I would say that one of the chief appeals I think that people will have for this it's first of all, to see Rafifi on a big screen. Mm-hmm. That's a great reason to go. But also, if you're like, oh, that film looks old, it looks potentially boring, I think that would be a mistake. Because this is not incredibly fast-paced, but really we have the set for a lot of the way that we think mm-hmm. about you know, how films can be fun and quick. Ocean's right. Eleven you know, right. certainly comes in the heist genre. Mm-hmm. That genre that's so popular for rewatchable kind of movies mm-hmm. is really set by Rafifi. So I, I think that maybe you make the argument as well that people will come to this and really have a good time watching. It's not going to be like right. a complete art film experience of Right. It's a lot wondering. of fun. It's <laughs> a
1: lot of fun. Um, especially like the, when you get to the last half of the film. And Jules Stassen actually plays a character in the film. Yeah. Um, That's fun. He, he's, he's the safe cracker. And, and, but like if you look at the credits, he's not under his actual name. He's, he takes an assumed name for the acting role, but not for the directing role, which is yeah. kind of
2: interesting. It, so something that I always gravitate toward thinking about his film music and mm-hmm. I thought it was so interesting that um George arick mm-hmm. uh one of the late six right the six composers who were sort of identified as uh reacting against the Wagnerian uh, grandeur he was considered in that group with like Poulenc who wrote Dialogue of the Carmelites a beautiful opera about nuns uh <laughs> rebelling during the French Revolution and Evidently, he had scored the entire, you know, no spoilers, right? But he'd scored the entire safe cracking scene. Uh, The director, Jules, insisted that it should be without music. And we we could talk more about that. And then convinced George by showing him the scene with and without his score that Mm -hmm. it should be without music. And then eventually the composer relented and said, no, just leave it, leave my music off. Yeah.
0: Right. Which. I mean, the safe-cracking scene, by the way, is the the quintessential scene. Right. It's it's the middle point of the movie. It is the heist of the heist movie. And it is really... It's a beautiful film all the way throughout, but it is the scene that sort of bedrocks it throughout the film. And um, I I guess we should talk about the music in general. You mentioned that there's... um, this this beautiful music along with it. Wasn't there like weird theme music that you found as well?
2: So because we were talking about this and uh, as opposed to when we write about that we're showing Reef Fifi as part of the Arkansas Times film series, now we have to say it because we're saying it on a podcast. So I wondered how you say it and what does it mean? And as it turns out, Reef Fifi has very little to do with anything in the movie except that it was sort of the banner anthem song uh, that was part of the trailer. And uh, I, I just thought... That the song's lyrics were so such a beautiful mirror of the way the film uh, has this theme of like tough guy culture, which is also sort of a theme in heist movies, like yeah. and mob movies, and right? which is
0: why Ocean's Eight, the new Ocean's Eleven movie, so interesting, is because it's flipping on Ted. It's an all female cast, you know, sure, flipping sure. on Ted, this heist movie male macho thing that's been going on for so long. I mean, I guess we should focus in really on that one scene. I, I was reading there. The heist scene, the safe-cracking scene, I, I took an excerpt from the Criterion Collection essay for it, and I thought I'd just read it to give an idea of what this, this scene is. Um, so this is from that essay. And yet, even in a film of such generous superlatives, something does stand out, towering above it all. For Rafifi is the is that most hollowed of films, a film that contains a monument within. I just want to apologize, this person loves to really talk highly, uh, let's say, of the film. Like the Grand Hall Ball in The Magnificent Ambersons, or the pickpocketing scene in Pickpocket, or the crop-duster chase in North by Northwest, the virtually silent, gleefully long heist scene at the center of Rafifi is a tingling, ecstatic, sustained act of brilliance, a sacrament of the cinema. For an astounding 33 minutes, Dassin removes all dialogue, hushing the soundtrack to the mere sounds of breath. The accidental note from a piano is enough to stop your heart, as we observe the criminal team at work, breaking through the floor, silencing alarms, cracking safes, checking watches and signaling each other it is a scene you've seen before shameless imitators have been cannibalizing it for decades but you will never see it so purely respectfully done as here the fetish the fetishistic shots of the safecracker's tools the rope that comes out of the suitcase already knotted and ready for climbing down the team's proprietary proprietary language of hand gesture the justly famous and i won't give it away conceit of the umbrella all these elements are so lovingly described it makes you want to cry out so i thought that was a very beautiful definition for really, this, this scene sets up so much of what we've seen before. I mean, you will really feel deja vu, I think, when you see this scene in the film, and I think that's one of the things you really want to look forward to in the film. I think also, I mean, first of all, is there any comments? You know, does that set up something? What do you think of this scene, and why is this scene so important, you know, for movies in general?
1: I think there, there's always a gamble when you have a film where right in the middle of it you do something sort of unconventional. And like, Like, I think about Bush casting Sundance Kid, you know, and there's a I love that film, but there's this point where there's this like 20 plus minute long chase sequence. And it just kind of brings the whole film to a halt. But with Rafifi, it's sort of like it it takes on a life of its own and sort of elevates the film to to another level because um, just having people focus on silence and it's the act of sort of trying to not make noise while you're doing this thing. Um, and then it really does it draws you in like it says in the essay it's sort of like the, the actual note on the piano makes your heart stop um, and, and, and it goes so quickly I, I, was, I was reading that people if you ask people afterwards like how long it actually takes place like the Estimates and time range from like 10 minutes to half an hour or something. Isn't so,
2: that funny? Yeah music colors are total mm-hmm. totally our perception of time passing and, and condenses it because it's giving us like a linear way to process moments and if you don't have that and you just have heavy breathing it feels really long Yeah. and then there's the added experience of usually when you're seeing a movie in a theater, there's a movie playing next door mm-hmm. and I love the feeling of like you can barely <laughs> hear the movie next door because whatever you're watching is so tense and quiet
0: Yeah. and I think it's interesting now with movie watching, going to a movie theater I think is the only chance you'll get to feel truly what this safe-cracking scene is supposed to feel like. Unless you have like a really great home set up, it's going to be hard with your cell phone, with your dog, with your roommates, whatever, to get the kind of silence and um, feeling that that scene evoked really when it came out. And it might even be a little bit more powerful with how inundated you are with everything. You can really get sucked into the scene. And so that's something to watch out for, but I I really do like you said, it's also interesting, it comes in the middle of the film. There's Mm like after it's done there's some time afterwards to mull things over and there's a lot going on um something else i wanted to talk about or bring up is you know really what Dassen does really beautifully here is it's a set piece it's it's a moving action it's action it's not dialogue it's it's action and right now what's really popular is we have a lot of action in films but it's all cgi this is you know not like that it's a live action and i maybe this will be done, maybe it won't, but I'm sort of tr- curious for y'all, are you excited to see a live action sequence and how often do you see live action sequences in films and what does it mean to have a live action for CGI sequence to y'all or does that make any difference to you?
1: Or is that uh, um, thing? Well, I feel like I'm I'd out on this because typically people talk about uh, the, like the tactile nature of actually doing the action. Um, I think I'm kind of okay with a lot of CGI, but it is nice to appreciate you know something that like is shot on location on the streets of Paris. Dason scouted the locations himself. Um, there is I'm not I'm not 100% I think there might be some blue screen or um, not blue screen but
0: added in features right
1: added yeah, and it's towards at one point in the film um, Rear, rear screen projecting, I think, is the, is the technique that they use. Oh, you know? really? Yeah. You know, like those you, old-timey car scenes where, right, like... yeah. mm. where you just have like the, the streets projected on a, on a screen in the background and someone's sort of in this prop car and they're sort of driving around.
2: I'm with oh. you. I can appreciate when it's very clear that mm-hmm. CGI was not used and it's still miraculous and beautiful and you wonder how many takes they had to do to get it, but... Uh, eye candy always yeah. trumps it. Like, I'm one of those people that would have been perfectly happy to just play World of Warcraft and wander around without mm-hmm. any plot lines or accumulating <laughs> yeah. any points because it was beautiful.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, is there anything else, Refifi wise, that we feel like we should hit on? I mean, I guess the only other thing is these actors have a really great performance, but mm-hmm. most of them are unknown at the time. Mm-hmm. Pretty much new actors.
2: I'd love to say that evidently the word Refifi is not directly translatable to english but it means roughly it's french world war one military slang and it means like rough and tumble and so the theme song the lyrics to the theme song that she sings in the club are i got a guy who knows what's what ain't the kind to bust a gut he's got lots of philosophy only he's too sweet on refifi if another guy just gives me a nod right away he goes for his rod oh wow tips his hat and yes it's time for some re i step in but he don't give a damn he points me out and says scram and when he's back after a while he's got this nasty little smile and sure as sure can be i'm next in line for some re yeah
0: i mean this very much is a uh it's a movie with some masculine identity issues yes. going on <laughs> so i mean from your enlightened 2018 potentially even let's say feminist perspective you should really watch this movie and be interested in also These are 1955 or post-World War II. It's still an era where men are trying to figure out what it means to be a man after World War II, and it's dealing with that a little bit, and I would say that it goes straight in for the we are like the old Western kind of men, sort of. I
2: would encourage anybody who wants to talk toxic masculinity after seeing this on <laughs> Tuesday night, I think that'd be a great conversation.
0: Yeah, uh, Stephanie, myself, uh, we'll all be in the lobby just chatting about toxic masculinity and also safe cracking techniques if anyone wants to talk to us. All right, so anything else, Rafifi? Okay. Uh, then we're closing up, we're closing up Rafifi. So before we get out of here, always uh, after we've talked about whatever we, we want to talk about, we want to also recommend some things for you to check out. Um, I want to recommend going to horse uh, racing at, up at Oaklawn. Uh, it is decadent, potentially depraved. I mean, it is Oaklawn uh, at its best. Beer-soaked. Beer-soaked. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be food. There'll be um, drunk strangers falling over. There'll be horses. There'll be anything else that I'm missing. it will be, I mean, Electronic Games of Chance. Uh, will be abounding.
2: One thing you cannot miss is that at Oaklawn, I believe they still allow you to walk up and around the rails around the stables so you can see the horses themselves, which is, I mean, I grew up on a farm riding horses, so it's interesting to me on a different level. But if you've never been near a horse and you don't have really a good sense of that scale, it's really amazing to see how powerful and muscular these animals are. And then the other thing is just, if you go on Saturday you can get one of their famous corned beef sandwiches for 50 cents.
0: I did not realize that. And
2: it's gonna be nasty enough weather that I'm pretty sure the lines won't be that long. Also 10 cent sodas.
0: 10 cent soda, 50 cent corned beef sandwiches.
2: If your wallet is hurting, this is the place for you to be. Wow. All
0: right, so Saturday there's horse racing uh, up at Ocalon. I just wanted to recommend uh, today, the day we're recording, January 11th, is uh, National Arkansas Day, which I didn't realize was a thing. Uh, It's really dumb, National Arkansas Day. That makes absolutely no sense. I just want to point out to people that these days exist. You should go look up all these ridiculous days that occur every single day uh, that commemorate ridiculous things like National Arkansas Day. It is also today National Milk Day. Uh, And if you have anything very, you know, if there's something National Arkansas Day that, like how would you celebrate National Arkansas Day if you're not in Arkansas? What would you even do? Just like if you're in Massachusetts to celebrate National Arkansas Day, what, what would one do? Like look at a picture of Bill Clinton? Like I'm not even... I
2: think you queue up some Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash? Right? Is
0: that is that, the, is that our state's like best thing to do outside of state? If you want to celebrate us as a culture?
2: Look, I'm biased. I've lived here my whole life. I think every day is National Arkansas <laughs> that Day. That is kind
0: of my point. In Arkansas, it's always National Arkansas Day. But I guess in Massachusetts today, you can celebrate Arkansas. Um, the other thing is... I went back and I've been doing some reading of um, this guy named Tom Bissell, who reviews video games, and he reviewed them on Grantland. I would just recommend going back and checking that out, does some really great reviews, and he did it kind of before social media was as big, and so now that social media has become like a video game for life, I just think his reviews of like Grand Theft Auto take on a new prescience. I would recommend going and checking out, he's got a great one called Poison Tree um, that I would go check out. And then lastly, always check out the Arkansas blog and the Arkansas Times full issue. Um, Benji Hardy's got a great reported story this week on um, juvenile um, detention and then uh, David Ramsey's been filling in while Max has been out of town very funny always so funny on the blog and so I'd go read his very informative very humorous uh, things And then Stephanie, I'll let you recommend one thing that people should do this weekend.
2: I would echo all of that. And I would say, um, as far as a recommendation, check out and go down the rabbit hole on a magazine called Aeon. That's A-E-O-N dot C-O is their website. It's just a bunch of free to watch, well-crafted, thoughtful videos. There's an 11 minute video on, uh, it's pretty disturbing watching, but pretty enlightening as well on the Confederate memorial carving at Stone Mountain in Georgia, which is evidently the world's largest Confederate monument um, and largely state-sanctioned. There's a five-minute video on there about two Englishmen who developed a lifelong friendship through their business repairing hot air balloons, (laughs) strangely moving and touching. Uh, And then as far as something to do this weekend, I've got to go with a joint photography exhibit at the Cox Creative Center that's opening up tomorrow night. It's called Uncertain but Unafraid Contemporary Portraits of the American South. Features the work of Matt White and Joshua Asante. And I think part of the reason why these these two men's names end up coming up uh, in our publication so often and in other publications in town, And, and part of the reason why I love their work so much is just their sense of empathy. So almost always in each of their uh, catalogs, you'll find that they're um, photographing people who are making direct eye contact. It really fosters this sort of understanding of the subject. I also think just more broadly, if I can get a little heavy and profound about it, it's really hard to look at somebody dead in the eye and not be in a posture of trying to understand them. And so what's so beautiful to me about their work is that the people's eyes that you're looking into are so present and so clear. um, And often the the color is beautifully saturated in the photography, often it's not. Often it's at a daybreak or or dusk. Anyway, that's opening up tomorrow at uh, Cox Creative Center, which is that little bookstore on the stickies side of the library parking lot, the main library here in the River Market. It's 120 River Market Avenue. And there's an after party that night at the Whitewater Tavern with Adam Foss and the Tall Grass. Always a good show.
0: Yeah, and Whitewater is of course (laughs) what Matt runs and where Joshua plays all the time. So I think that's it. That's the move for the weekend. We giving you some recommendations. We've talked about Rufifi. Anything else? I think we're gonna wrap it up. Our inaugural Arkansas Times Rock Candy podcast. Thanks, thanks so much for coming, Stephanie. We'll be back every week with recommendations. We'll bring on people. What we're going to do with this is hopefully bring on people, interview them, local artists. Uh, always talk about uh, the movies that are coming up. We might talk about random big arts things going on, Golden Globes, Oscars, stuff like that too. Um, so thanks so much for coming, and we'll see you next week.
2: Bye-bye. Thank you.